Welcome to episode 42 of the Tech Gypsies podcast. I'm Audrey Waters. And I'm Ken Lane. And we are coming at you from Philadelphia, PA. Yeah, we're on the road this week. We are on the road this week, and we are on the road next week. And fortunately, between now and then, we don't have to go through any airports. Yeah, we're... uh doing trains while in the northeast here so uh, it's a little bit crazy in airports uh right now why would that be it's funny because actually like you were joking today we said like you know every sunday when we start to prep this podcast um we're like oh what like you know what do we talk about what should we talk about and you're like oh i don't know because nothing happened this week yeah um I, I was uh trying to make light of the situation of what's going on it's actually pretty crazy right now it feels like things are kind of coming unglued i mean we're aware this is going to happen it's not like it's anything new but uh our uh orange president issued a a ban on all muslims entering the country from uh, a whole list of countries that don't seem like they're um, actually the ones who tend to uh export their terrorists to the u.s but nonetheless um he issued this order, and at the airports right now, the um, border patrol is turning away not just refugees from these countries, but people with visas and green cards, and creating a whole whole bunch of problems. Yeah, so um, it's, uh, I mean, this is usually the part of the podcast where, like, I could, could clarify things and say like what we know about um the executive order is actually x y or z um just to make sure that we're like accurate but um the the horrific thing about this is that because of the way this was handled by the Trump administration it's been sort of mightily unclear what exactly was going on and the extent to which was going on we'd heard rumors early in the earlier in the week that Trump had planned to ban refugee admissions um, f- uh, from Muslim majority, uh, from a handful of major- Muslim majority countries, as well as perhaps citizens of those countries entering, citizens of those countries entering the United States. But what was sort of unclear and still not exactly clear, despite um, judges ruling uh, against this, is sort of what what exactly that means, right? What is that, does that mean for people who have, as you say, green cards? Does that mean for people who already have visas? Does that mean for people who hold dual citizenship? And because of dual citizenship, needn't get visas to visit the United States, right? Like, like you, like there are many countries in the, across the world that do not requ- that are not required for their citizens to have visas to enter the United States. Citizens from Canada, for example. Um, but here we are in Philly um, for an event that um, we attend uh, regularly. Uh, this was its tenth anniversary, and I think I've been six or seven times. Um, and one of my dear friends decided not to come, but in hindsight made stay on the right side of the border, as I'm not sure she would have been able to come as um, she's of Iraqi descent, like she's an Iraqi refugee who's lived in Canada for the past 30 years. 
Yeah, um, I mean to clarify, so the 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 executive order went down. Um, Border Patrol are enforcing this kind of irregularly at different airports. So there's different things going on, I guess, at different airports. But then the ACLU came in and um, filed a lawsuit, and and a federal judge um, said, you know, uh, reversed it or or temporarily. Um, reversed it and basically the border patrol aren't consistently um uh heeding this this order and 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 just saying basically trump said it um that's too bad and they're still uh detaining some people yeah people are being detained people are being sent back to the country of origin and so this affects i mean for me in my world obviously this affects me getting to spend time this weekend with a dear friend um personally, right? So like my own like selfish, my sort of own selfish response, this is like one of the highlights of this weekend would have been be able to being spent spending time with um, one of the most amazing educators I know. Um, and, uh, and, but also sort of more generally for education, this affects a lot of students who, who are in America because they actually have student visas. So it's not as though it's sort of like Ali Ali Austin free, right? To the, the process of getting a student visa is not easy. It's a pain in, it's a bureaucratic pain in the ass. It also affects professors and researchers and scientists who similarly are able to enter this country and work in this country because they have secured visas, which is actually, again, a laborious bureaucratic process. And then finally, you know, I mean, at the, the at the most basic level, refugees, people who are fleeing their country because their country is torn apart by war, um, <laughs> uh, these particular countries, war that sort of the United States sort of played played a played a great role in. Um, so people who are fleeing fleeing oppression, fleeing war, people who to be to get a to become a refugee and to enter the country is again a really, really lengthy, laborious process. And Trump, at the height of cruelty, at the height of cruelty, has decided to not allow refugees into this country, but more specifically to ban people of a particular religion from being able to enter this country. Well, the the what really disturbs me about this and frustrates me is is the white white apologists on my Facebook page, our um, timeline, our base focusing on, the, this is not a refugee ban, this is not a Muslim ban, this is just, um, or this is just a refugee ban, this is not a Muslim ban, this is just, you know, the, these people fleeing these war-torn countries where they're going to come in and bomb us, and which is, um, you know, what they're trying to gloss over this and smooth over, but it, if you actually know people on the ground at these airports, if you're actually even reading um, uh, valid news outlets, um, these are people, these are people visas, these are people green cards, these are people, you know, uh, like your friend who who's coming to have discussions, important discussions, and for for us, this is this is an attack on you know everything you and I are doing on a regular basis to 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 make the world a better place. You, you guys were having a, a a discussion about education and specifically you know social justice and education, and this is basically what the conservatives want right now. They want to dismantle, weaken, and and uh, education. This is something you've been you know fighting against, not just this administration, but um, the previous one. And then for me, you know, I. Uh, at the same time you're preparing for this talk, I'm uh, working with the working group. Um, I'm uh, 
working with a larger group now to plan the next edition, the I think it's the eighth edition of my API strategy and practice conference. And we're discussing, we have a list of cities where we're trying to decide where it's going to be in October or November. And thinking through the list, you know, we're going to have to prioritize, uh, you know, Canadian locations. Um, we can keep it in North America, but make it so that, uh, you know, many of of our, our Muslim friends can come from Europe and Southeast Asia and other places and not have a problem uh, getting into the country because many of them have, you know, very complex backgrounds. Um, but these are, these aren't uh, refugees. These are, these are people from these countries or have backgrounds associated with these countries and like you said, dual citizenship, coming together to discuss, um, we discuss a wide range of technical issues, um, you know, privacy, security, different things that impact everybody. And we're coming together to have these discussions. And again, this is what the, the current administration and, and, the, and the Republican Party want to dismantle, weaken, soften, and make not happen. And um, it's just super frustrating to me to see the, the apologists on my Facebook timeline and, and other circles um, gloss over it like no we're just we're keeping the bad people out and it's like no you're you're keeping actually the people out that are going to help us figure all this shit out yeah i mean it's it is if this is if this is so this is this will tie into perhaps something we'll talk about in a bit that one of the like so we're here for or i'm here you're with me this weekend for Educon in Philly. And I did a session on Saturday um, with Bill Fitzgerald about, uh, we ran a quote unquote crypto party. And we talked a lot about threat modeling and risk modeling and like how you make assessments of like what's, what's vulnerable, like what in your personal cyber infrastructure is vulnerable? What do you care about? What do you, what do you need? What do you have to protect? What do you want to protect? What are your plans to protect those things? What are the risks of actually those? Like how how in danger are those particular data points, right? So like that's sort of what we what we talked about a little bit in in this session. But if you think about like the threat modeling that the Trump administration has used here, it's sort of it's all bullshit. Really, I mean the 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 countries that have been selected to to prevent people from those countries coming here. Those those people people from those countries have never have have actually never killed anyone on U.S. soil in a terrorist attack. And countries that have participated in terrorist attacks on on U.S. soil um, were not included. And it just so happens that that maps quite neatly to countries in which Trump does business and country in which. Trump does not do business. It also maps quite neatly into countries that recently the United States has sort of been participating in bombing campaigns against. So the we, we aren't we aren't actually we like this actually isn't really built on a threat model per se, right? If we were thinking about who do we need to really limit, whose whose access and rights should we step upon in order to keep the most people safe, statistically, I think we would round up and lock away every white guy in this country. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's, I mean, like, honestly, like, like, let's actually take a look at who commits violence and who commits t- quote unquote terrorism. Like if we're going to build a threat model about quote unquote terrorism, then, uh, if we look at who are mass shooters, uh, uh, like this, so this isn't built on, any kind of 
threat modeling, it's actually built on cruelty. Like it's like it's really built on nothing except cruelty. To say to people from Syria, Syria, that you cannot even apply to be a refugee is only cruel. It's only cruel. Well, and I mean, to to be pushing this from a a, a, a so-called Christian values vantage point that you're gonna you're gonna institute a, a, a basically a, a religious a ban on on a certain religion coming into this country um, with with no no bearing on the actual threat to us like you said there there there's it doesn't fit into this threat model but you're gonna do a religious test by a group of people you know who who are constantly worried about you know saying that they're being threatened and they're being persecuted all the way down to the the Christmas level and that that they're just afraid of the brown people and this is just um really for for theatrics and that's what worries me about this i mean luckily i i hope there's there's plenty of people watching for what's going on in the cracks and and what are the undercurrents um i mean we we're seeing other things like um you know, Bannon being put on the Security Council. We're seeing other things happening, and I'm I'm pretty sure that this is just um, smoke and and meant to be you know part of that shock and awe campaign that that we're under right now. And and sadly, you know, technology once again is 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 the main vehicle in which this shock and awe campaign is being uh, implemented. Well, and it's I mean it it, it is a fundamentally sort of disassembling important pieces of of the constitution right so when when the executive branch says do this and the judicial set branch says actually you can't and then the executive branch says too fucking bad we're going to do it anyway like that's a that's a huge constitutional rupture um fundamental like fundamentally that's a constitutional rupture um but i think that the you know, we, we've we've got ourselves into this mess because you can't actually make it. Like, it's really hard to make appeals to institutions in this country because many of these institutions have such a carry forward with them, such a legacy of of oppression and 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 you know, thinking about threat modeling and risk assessment and making decisions not about really what the threat model tells you, but really what white supremacy tells you. I mean, they're like, why did we put the Japanese Americans in this country into concentration camps? Right? That wasn't actually, that wasn't actually like threat modeling. That's racism. Yeah. I mean, that's just fear and, and, and emotional racism feeling what's going on. I mean, I think they're, 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 being pretty effective in what they're trying to do. I mean, they're stoking um, people's emotions and fears, and they're, uh, you know, they're not only doing that here and and getting what they want as far as dismantling and weakening. I mean, there's a reason they don't trust and they think government is incompetent, and they're going to see to it that that government is untrustworthy and incompetent by doing this. But they're doing it so effectively in one fell swoop. I mean, that's why I really worry about this is, is uh, as they're issuing this ban, he's also simultaneously meeting uh, with the prime minister of the UK, um, speaking with Putin, and basically doing the Security Council move that basically are all some pretty sophisticated moves as far as weakening Europe as well. And so, um, and at the same time, he's taking jabs at, at Mexico, you know, and so I think, you know, pretty effectively he's, um, 
inciting some pretty scary shit. Yeah, so um, should we talk a little bit about the role of technology in that? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's what we that's what we do. We got to keep bringing it back home to this. So, I mean, there's several several layers of this right now. I mean, for me, the the continued Facebook um, role in this um, needs to continually be pointing out, um, you know, the 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 people in my timeline that are. Um, getting their news and getting their information from these sites and these sources that are spread via Facebook. Look, nothing's going on. Everything's fine. Um, I would say, actually, I have to point out there's a large portion of people who were influenced by the whole uh, fake news and kind of propaganda thing is uh, part of the election. And now many of them are gone from Facebook because, as they said, oh, it became this toxic environment um, we're, and they're silent and they're gone. But the ones that are left... I feel are very much still performing for their their bubbles, and they just happen to have this overlap with mine because I haven't really scrubbed my um, Facebook timeline too heavily. I've kept quite a few people um, that are from the right just to um, because they're friends, their family, but also because um, I want to uh, increase the the reach of my bubble and not not limit it. But um, they're still depending on on Facebook uh, to get this out. But I'm happy that. Also, you know, we're using technology. I'm seeing um, Facebook live streams from um, JFK, from uh, Philly and Dulles in D.C. And then I've seen quite a few other photos and, and real-time stuff coming from LAX, SFO, and SeaTac, as well as PDX, and or Portland, excuse me. And so technology isn't, I think, totally to blame here as a vehicle for 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 fomenting and kind of fueling all this but um it, it's doing some good out there but um what other what other technology areas would you say are 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 impacting this in a important way so i mean i think that it's been um you know again so you know bill and i did this crypto party session in which i think the impetus f for it was actually the um was actually, I asked him in the session, like, what made us decide to do this? Because it was sort of a last minute application to facilitate a conversation about this. I mean, and I think in the, at the end, it, it really was the election of Trump and thinking about how do, how do we protect students' privacy and security? How do we protect educators' privacy and security? How do we protect those of us that are vulnerable? How do we protect activists? Um, and so... Uh, for me, one of the things I've been thinking a lot about, particularly um, with Trump's um, ongoing executive orders around immigration, his plans, um, his plans to sort of to, to curb to curb access to this country through the student visa program, but also um, to, you know talk of of the deportation of of the Dreamers, and so I tweeted this week. You know that the most important issue in ed tech right now, certainly one—I'll say one of the most important—but like really, one of the most important issues in ed tech right now is the DACA database, right? So this is the database. This is the information that was collected from those who applied for deferred action, right? So those who were brought to this country as undo uh, um, undocumented, but brought to this country as children. Um, and President Obama made it so that those, if if those folks applied for for DACA, uh, applied um, for DACA, that they would not be subject to deportation. They would just sort of be, you know, it wasn't a priority, and it, they were they were going to be, if not safe, then not 
as vulnerable as they would be normally um, as undocumented immigrants in this country. And sort of also, I think, over the course of the Obama administration, making sure that those dreamers had access to um, in-state tuition for college, for example, if they'd lived their whole lives um, and graduated from high school in a certain state, they should be eligible for in-state tuition. So there were, there, you know, um, but uh, I think 1.4 million people applied for, for status, and there are some 700,000 people whose names and home addresses are in, in this database, and many of whom, many of whom are, are students, remain students. Um, and so I tweeted that I think that this is, this is the most important issue. And so what is, you know, what are schools going to do um, to protect their students who are undocumented immigrants? And what information, what are they going to do to take measures to make sure that any data that they have um, in a student information system or profiles that they've built um, algorithmically about students, what are they going to make sure that they're doing so that that information is does not leave the safety of the school itself, right? So you need to stop right away from third-party platforms having access to this information. You need to think about what your response is going to be when the feds say, we need a list of the students who attend your school who are undocumented. Um, and so for me, like, I've been thinking a lot about the, the, tech, the technologies that we're building that have been so eager and interested in gleaning as much information as possible about students and how all of that data has been handed over, largely outsourced by, by schools to third-party platforms and easily accessible by multiple third-party um, providers. Um, what kind of data have we collected about students that now makes them incredibly vulnerable? And it's not, of course, it's not just undocumented students, and it's not just those who've said, who applied for DACA. Like, there's probably ways in which algorithmically you could identify students based on a number of, of data points that you collect about them. Um, what's their nation of origin? What language is spoken at home? Um, things like that. So like schools have actually, in, in this sort of mania for collecting as much data as possible about students in the hope of some bullshit dream about learning analytics, schools have actually really exposed their students to to immediate danger. Um, and so thinking a lot about what are their responsibilities and what are the plans right now today, like right now this weekend, it's Sunday when we're recording this, what are the plans before Monday for schools to be like, oh, oops, like that column, it's, that column, that field, uh, it's gone, weird, gone, don't know, can't tell you, can't tell you which one of our, any of our students Maybe all of them, maybe none of them. We don't actually have that data. And what are, what are the conversations they're having with uh, their third-party vendors, uh, the technology providers who, are, right. who have access right. to that? What, what does that access look like? And what, uh, what copies of that data, what backups, what redundancy? How long has that data been stored? Like, do, like yeah, I mean, these are, you know, uh, and again, like the, the I told you so thing, like, I don't like it, but like, you know... <laughs> I mean, this is this has been a long time coming, and the handwriting's been on the wall for a very long time. This is this is actually what I'm speaking about this week um, at University of Richmond. I'm speaking on Thursday, but um, so yeah, I think that this is a, a hugely pressing problem. And again, it, it's actually not just about undocumented students. I mean, I think 
at like what's happened in the last in the last week in the first week of the Trump presidency like there are a whole other set of of members of of the student population who are highly vulnerable what can we tell about your sexual identity what can we tell about your um, what can we tell about your political preferences um, and so like the the nightmare scenario um, is is unfolding right now today for millions of students millions of students in this country who are immigrants undocumented or not and you know sort of the 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 who's next piece doesn't seem too hard to extrapolate so that's something that's been like top of mind for me again thinking about the crypto party thinking about security really thinking about what schools responsibility are and thinking about this sort of again, this sort of wet dream that like most of ed tech has sort of been living in, in which they are like showered with, with, with the silver beauty of like, you know, chrome and, and, and gadgetry without paying any attention to the risk at which they're putting their students. Well, and this is, I mean, this Sorry, is... with that graphic, that was probably, that just moves us up to like the X rating. Yeah. This is, I mean, this isn't a, a question for just for schools. I mean, as we said, this extends to their vendors, but this this is something that, um, you know, all of Silicon Valley, all tech companies, in, um, any company that has the database, which are all companies now, what are you storing? How are you storing it? And start asking the questions, why are you storing this? Because, I mean, I don't even see, I see some companies asking these questions and starting to think about this, but how 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 they they they're still so caught up in this frenzy of of knowledge and awareness and that it's going to bring them some insight of what's going on and or but all these white guys in silicon valley that are just really trying to get rich off of this and they see the more data they can collect the more they're going to be able to sell this and i i wrote about this week that you know uh silicon valley is now selling um the new gold rush is to sell your data to wall street so in this in this move to sell sell your data to 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 hedge funds and to wall street they're just gathering more they're adding more logging more capabilities more tracking to get more data points and and extend and build these profiles and and like you said this isn't anything new just right now it's just like this things got ratcheted up to this really holy shit level but if you're a tech company and you want to understand this you know head over to the twitter blog and i'll add this to the the show notes we didn't put it in there but you know twitter just um, Twitter and Cloudflare were just able this week to start talking about uh, the federal uh, order, the gag order that they've been under as far as talking about um, the government uh, accessing the social data and using this. So this is, is primarily at the federal level, but there's um, all these leaks coming out about how police in this country are using Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and being able to track gangs, track different um, different groups that they're worried about, track protests, track Black Lives Matter. And by, I was like, by gangs, of course you mean black Oh, people, yeah, black right? gangs. We're not talking about alt-right or any of that shit. You know, they're, um, you know, they're perfectly happy having, uh, you know, these people be given a bullhorn and Twitter as, as well. Um, so, you know, but this is all, you know, they're, you know, I, tweeted or and put this out a couple times in the last couple weeks is you know there is is no muslim database there is no gun database there are just facebook quizzes and 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 personas built through this and 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 i'm not saying that you know we can't we should just stop using all these networks 
maybe we should. Uh, we should think critically about which ones we use and how we're using them and what we're saying. But most importantly, we should be aware um, and cognizant of what signals we're sending out on these because we are being watched. We are being tracked. We are being grouped and linked together. And we need to understand that from, a, from an end user, from a developer, but also most importantly from a platform because you will be asked for access to your data. If you are a successful platform with any significant portion of this population, you will be asked. And we're just seeing Twitter and Cloudflare and these companies be just now be able to start talking about this. And it, and it appears there's there's quite some, some serious overreaching that occurred as part of these. Um, the, uh, EFF and other groups are still trying to process all of this. Um, but it's it's super overwhelming to try to understand the legalities of all of this. And it just seems to be piling on with each um, assault from this shock and awe campaign. Well, I mean, and I think that this is, you know, this is the, this is the key point sort of broadly for the future of, of democracy is, you know, when we think about what, what are the role, what is the role that these, this particular new brand of very libertarian um, oriented companies, like what is their role in, in, overtly dismantling um, democratic institutions. And we saw that this week with Uber, for example, that um, overtly sought to, to become strike breakers, right? So when the cabbies in New York um, on strike said, we, we will not serve JFK in order to, you know, in solidarity um, to protest the this the uh, the ban on immigration that you know they said that you know the the taxi industry is overwhelmingly you know run by immigrants taxi drivers are are immigrants and this is you know this is unacceptable uh, to to us to our workers to our to our people um, and then Uber immediately turned around and said well we will you know we'll break the strike we'll cross the picket line we're scabs. Um, and I think that Travis Bickle, um, that's not his real name, but let's pretend that it is. Travis Bickle, the um, CEO of Uber, um, you know, is an advisor for Trump. Um, Elon Musk is an advisor for Trump. These people are advisors for Trump. Um, Peter Thiel, um, who sits on the board of Facebook. And um, Paul Olivia DeHay wrote a great post this week about micro-targeting of low-information voters um, and the, the work of Cambridge Analytica drawing on Facebook data um, collecting data points about people, develop, developing psychological profiles, and thinking about how best to micro-target ads in order to skew people's thinking um, prior to the election, prior to the elect presidential election in the U.S., and prior to the um, uh, election in particular, um, the Brexit vote in the U.K. So these are, these are companies that are um, libertarian, Neoliberal, um, and I mean, in in many cases, um, kind of overtly white nationalist. And for me, the fact that these are also so deeply embedded embedded in education technology, and no one seems to want to call them out. And in fact, everyone seems to want to quote unquote play nicely with them and take their swag and and um, visit their vendor booths and um, get their certification and proudly embrace them as the future of innovation, um, you know, makes me, like it definitely for me, the, the, the lines are really clear. They've been clear for a very long time about, uh, you know, about who, 
um, who is dangerous and what the dangerous people are going to do to the most vulnerable. And I think this week, you know, Trump, Trump showed his cards. Steve Bannon showed his cards. But the tech industry has been showing their cards for quite some time. And my hope is that, um, again, you know, my world here, um, is that educators uh, figure out sort of a, a, way, a way forward in this. Because um, it certainly isn't, it certainly isn't um, kowtowing to white supremacy. And it certainly isn't kowtowing to being a branded educator by some tech company. Well, that, I mean, that, that top of the pyramid, I would say the, the, the leaders, the Travis Kalanick, Kalanick, Bickle, um, Bickle, yes. Bickle. <laughs> yes. And, um, the Peter Thiels, all of this, you know, they've, they've done very well at, at, at spouting this, this, um, libertarian rhetoric, rhetoric that worries me. Um, this, this bottom just, ooze at the bottom the 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 white nationalist that bothers me but really what what worries me the most is is the the hordes and the masses of white dudes in the middle who just really have no sense of history don't give a fuck about anything our per we saw them in the whole fake news and campaign they're perfectly happy to to put up fake news sites and put ads on them and and make ten thousand dollars a day um you know uh fucking over this country they really don't care give a shit they don't have a sense of anything in history from you know what the meaning of the un and what nato is um the importance of of the educational system and our educational institutions and the trust in those they're happy to disrupt it when the libertarian uh leaders go hey you know libertarian leaders we, isn't that awesome and when they say we don't we're you know all the universities are going to be gone in 10 years they're perfectly happy going leading the charge without any understanding of what they're doing um same against you know um our media outlets they're perfectly happy disrupting journalism because um you know for whatever fucking reason and what's what they don't realize is they they spout this this um anti-union rhetoric but um you know, I'm a, and I'm going to use a word I really don't agree with here, but when they're just fucking code monkeys and they don't understand, they don't even remember the last time when we dealt with a massive kind of outsourcing of all this to India after the first dot-com bubble, you know, so they have no awareness. They're just kind of, you know, pretty fat and, and happy in their in their six-figure programming jobs right now, unaware that if they, they are successful in their jobs, they're going to um, you know, uh, modularize and and compartmentalize um, their jobs away and down to to basically something that can be outsourced and scripted by anybody anywhere in the world, and they're totally anti-union and they have no awareness of what the labor uh, movement has kind of built this platform underneath them and allowed them to to have these these cushy jobs and this cushy existence and this 40-hour work week and and all these other perks that come with it um and they're just perfectly happy continuing dismantle all of that um and and the and you know guaranteed in a couple of years they're gonna be like the first in line again going i was left behind what the fuck happened I mean, I think that I think that a lot of people, um, um, white folks in particular, can actually, on the other hand, look to history and trust that they'll be okay. Because they've always been okay, right? I mean, 
I, I think that that's the that's the appeal of of this particular moment for a, f a fair number of people, is that white supremacy has kept them quote unquote safe, white supremacy has kept them quote unquote prosperous, white supremacy has kept them quote unquote American, and so I think that again, I mean, I think that it's a it's a misreading of it's a misreading of history, it's a misreading of economics, it's a misreading of demographics, yeah. But I I actually think that people, many people are are really feeling the warm fuzzies for white supremacy, um, and you know I I think that um, I think that. Um, Bannon and and Trump uh, are not. I mean, I think that they're. I think that they're dangerous, but I think it, it's it is actually quite calculated. Um, and I think that the, you know, what we're up against is is a blend of of not just political ideology, but it's, it's for me, it's a reminder of how much this is embedded in the technologies that. For the last fifteen years or so, certainly since um, certainly since the 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 sort of the dot com the the re the rebirth after the dot com bubble burst, um, w this is this is really I think the 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 foundations have been laid for this for for quite some time. Again, despite despite a lot of these the great the great great tech companies even of our time being founded by immigrants or children of immigrants, um, I think that what we're seeing right now is really libertarian, more mongering technology really deciding to turn and and, and eat the rest of us. Software is eating the world. Yeah. Remember, that's what Mark Andreessen said, and what he meant by that might have been really exciting for him as an investor, but that actually is, like, what he meant was actually truly, truly disruptive. And at the end of the day, the software that's eating the world is is white nationalism. It's libertarianism. I, I said it today in, 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 in the gathering we're at that, you know, the, the number one um, weapon of of white nationalism and, and white supremacy right now is technology. It is it is the number one tool that is being used. It's why that twenty six percent seems so loud and seems so uh, in our face right now because of bots, because of technology, because of everything Silicon Valley is is enabling. And like you said, Mark Andreessen said, everyone you know the software is eating the world, and and all these people feel like you know when they're 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 wielding disruption, they're you know they're going to be all right. But as as I walk around Philly, walked around Philly this morning, um, you know, I did, didn't go into too many neighborhoods, but, you know, you see the people who who aren't going to be all right and really haven't been all right for many, many generations. And they don't have that um, that luxury to go, hey, uh, we're going to be all right and, and we're going to feel warm and fuzzy about this because um, they have to, you know, not be all right and not feel warm and fuzzy every day of of their their existence and so when when i get on the facebooks and i hear my family say that um you know it really makes me sad that uh that that we all have such privilege and and we're so blind to it well i mean i think if you know we've we've gone long again today but like i think that it's important to remember that that technologies um and digital technologies are just one 
form of technology, but that these, the technologies are ideological and they aren't just about, in the case of computers, the hardware or the software or the networking, right? That they are actually technologies or, or practices and their ideas and their models and their systems and, and their structure. And they carry with, they carry with them and in them and deeply embedded in how they're made and how they're used and how they're talked about and how they're implemented and what we dream that they'll do. They, they, they carry with them, they carry with them ideas and practices. And so when, you know, when we hear software is eating the world and then we see a white nationalist blogger join the National Security Council, like let's, and again, Mark Andreessen sits on the board of Facebook. Right, so when software is eating the world, when Mark Andreessen declares that, and a white nationalist blogger sits in the White House, what exactly is this eating of the world? What exactly is that software, that technology, that ideology, those practices, those beliefs, those systems? Because it's not actually one that I, um, it, 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 or it is one that I am committed with every core of my being in resisting. Amen. Me too. I'm with you. All right. All right. Well, um, who knows what's going to happen by next week. Next week, we will be recording this in Washington, D.C. Yes, we will. If they let us if in. If they let us in, yes. Um, that if, if you don't hear a podcast next week, you know something's up. But, uh, um, yeah, next week will be D.C. Yeah. All right. Till then. Till then.